Samuel. Cuts it back. Ohio State wins. I'm putting my heart in Let's go, man. That is as good as it gets. I represent me in this issue. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Early on the field, a touchdown is confirmed. Fourth and two now. You've got to get two yards. I don't know. I don't think so. No way. Kentucky wins. Hey, welcome to the Peace of Mind Podcast. My name is Kevin Jackson. I'm your host. I'm with AJ Nance and my yes, producer, Justice West. How y'all doing? Good. Hanging in there. Another week down. It's sad. I feel like we wait all year for college football, and <clears throat> here we are with two weeks left in the regular season. It zooms by. I hate it. It zooms by. Yeah, it's just really not fair. So, well, uh, it was a big week in college football last weekend uh, with some big games, uh, big-time results, exciting finishes, uh, epic comebacks, and comebacks that fell short. Uh, We got another big week this week. And uh, so, without further ado, let's let's get started. Let's break it down. Um, I think the, the intro story everybody's attention all week long and all weekend was the injury to Alabama quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. And he unfortunately uh, suffers a dislocated hip and a hip fracture up 35-7 in the first half against Mississippi State. And uh, just a brutal injury to to a good person, to probably, to definitely an all-time great all-time great at this generation and uh, just really disappointing to see a kid like that go down. Um, I know a lot of people had questions about whether he should have been in there or not. And uh, we'll get into that. Uh, but, you know, best of luck to him. Wish him well. Uh, AJ, is he gone? I think he's got to be. Um and to that point, and I, I definitely want to start off by saying, like, get well soon. Um, like, I don't want any of these takes to overshadow the fact that, like, the kid, like, is injured. And whatever sport you're watching, like, you don't want to see injuries, period. So definitely want him to, to get healthy um, and, and hopefully see him back out there on the football field. But if, if I'm just looking at this from a completely unbiased perspective, like, he's got to go. Um, you've you've won a national championship and probably the the uh very very foreseeable future like extremely memorable way that you won that national championship um you've showcased your talents what you're able to do um on the highest stages and you've you've had a couple slip-ups here and there but for the most part like you've showcased every single thing you're able to do i don't think Tua coming back outside of him playing a full season without getting hurt is going to prove to us anything new about his football abilities. Um, we know who he is as a quarterback and we know what he can do. I, I just think like you've been, you've been banged up. You've, you've hurt your ankles twice and now the hip, if you're going to play again, like go try your hand playing at the highest level. Like, 
don't risk coming back and further injuring yourself and taking away an opportunity to compete at the highest level. Because I think we're all in agreement that right now, if he was to to recuperate to 100% from this injury, he could play in the league and has, has a role somewhere in the league playing. So, like, go take that chance versus coming back to get hurt. Wild thing is I was reading today that they said he could be fully recovered and repaired uh, and back to doing football, uh, uh, like, initiated things in three months. Did y'all see that too? Or am I making that up? Because that sounds insane to me. I heard he's going to be back at Alabama in a few weeks and he will start being able to do things in the spring. I don't think that's it, I don't, insane to me. Well, I mean, when you think about it, uh, fractures only take four to six weeks to heal. He didn't tear a ligament. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm sure yeah. dislocated hip probably led to some soft tissue damage, but mm-hmm. uh, it's much different than tearing an ACL or anything like that. So, Modern medicine is outstanding. I just like to say that. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, think whatever he, whatever he does is going to be a risk uh, because if mm-hmm. what I think is going to happen is uh, I would not be surprised if NFL GMs take a pass on him because of his health issues. And uh, what's hard is that this is a freak accident. He has been banged up in the past. And um, so somebody's going to take a risk on him, probably. But when he gets picked up is the key. Uh, Obviously, you know, the later that you go, the farther down the draft, uh, the less money you make. And so... Is he going to get taken? I think everybody agrees that when he's healthy, he's a first-round talent. Mm-hmm. But does he fall because of his prone to injury? Um, so if he comes back to Alabama, maybe he gets mm-hmm. that opportunity to play a, a full season healthy. And like you said, it's it's still a risk. Mm-hmm. But who knows, after a full season of being healthy, then all of a sudden he elevates himself back up to top 10 pick, top five pick, which it's not, that money is not on a scaled basis. The more, the higher you up, the the higher up you get drafted, the more money you're going to make. Right. If he he was to come back and play a full season healthy, would that eliminate any health risks that you had of him? Like, would that automatically trump him being injured the previous two years? I don't for know. You. Uh, for me, if he was able to play yeah. fully healthy, I, I, it would definitely make me feel better about drafting him. Uh, like I said, there's mm-hmm. there's no right answer because there's risks in both of them. He could go to the uh, he, he could go this year, and then he falls to the third round. I, I don't think it would happen, but he could. And then all of a sudden, he's sitting there going, "Eh, well." Uh, but it also could out work out for him where he drops to a quality team and he doesn't have to play for a crappy team. Or he could come back and um, I, I don't know where he is, is in terms of graduating, but who knows? Maybe he likes being in college. Uh, go play college football. If, you know you, if, if you're prone to being injured, uh, I don't know. Maybe you want to secure your opportunity to get a college degree 
I mean, obviously he can go back to school when he after he graduates, but you know, if you don't play for that long or you don't get drafted that high, your money's not as ludicrous as you might think it is. So to your point there, I'm reading an article and it says um the gap between being a high first round pick and a late first round pick is about twenty million dollars. So nothing to snuff at like him. Imagine do you say a, a first round pick to a mid round pick or high first round? That's a pick? High first round to to uh, uh, end of the first round pick. Yeah. So, so yeah, what if he drops? So what if he drops goes. to like like fiftieth? You know what I mean? Take yeah. a mid second yeah. round. So uh, and I'm pretty sure like he has a a draft um, insurance policy in there. So it'd be interesting to see what that payout was because if some of that is like, I'm sure it's not. $20 million, but I mean, if it's comparable and he's like, yo, I can get half of that money and like I go to, you know, round three, I, I get it. Like Alabama's just top tier program, but I'm going to assume that most NFL, if not all NFL uh, organizations have better access to medicine, training, rehabilitation than colleges do. And I also got to assume that he's like, Tua strikes me as a kid that goes to class. Like, I don't think he's like a class skipper, not going to class because he's an all-star kind of guy. Yeah, so like, like he needs, you know, like he needs to, to get out of college now because, <laughs> like, I don't know if I can go another year, that kind of thing. Right, right. But then also, like, he ain't spending, you know, six hours or so a day in class. Like, he's now spending that time rehabbing. So I do think, like, that plays a role in it, too. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what the timeline turns out to be for uh, what their family decides. Also, another aspect to look into it is if he comes back, he's got to compete with little brother for the starting uh, QB job. Very true. Which I don't know if it's a competition, but... <laughs> I'm sure it is. Oh, like, I mean, everybody I mean, for, I mean, for them, but uh, uh, you know what I mean? Well, you know, it's true because uh, that's how he came into the national championship game. Mm-hmm. So Saban has you, proved that he's pretty ruthless. If you're Nick, I mean, I say if you're Nick Saban, if you're Tua, what, what, what would you do? Like if you were him, I think it's perfect. Not, I think it's perfectly reasonable for, for you to, uh, can't you get, uh, can't you get your draft grade? Yeah, you can get like he's gonna grade high. I mean, that's the thing. He's he's gonna grade high. Um, I I think my natural instinct is to would be to go. I think that's mm-hmm. always the case. Go, but I don't think it's as clear cut as everybody thinks it is. About like, dude, just go. Like, what are you doing here? Like, um, I don't think it's as clear cut. That's that. fair. I think this, there's there's truly benefits of staying for another year. I get you're not like you have a risk to all of this could be gone in a second, and he's already survived that once. I don't know who knows. Maybe he comes back and he's not very good. Who knows? Like you know what I mean? Uh, that's hard. What if he? Yeah, that's tough because he's what not going to be fully healthy by the draft. No, but I think if you're if you're too, uh, uh, you got to evaluate your health, um, your your conditioning, obviously, and then just your ability to put on your best performance and say, hey, if I think that 
at all three places, I will be above a hundred percent or like at a hundred percent. Cause you can't be above a hundred. That's stupid. But like at a hundred percent, then I sit out the, the combine and I only compete during pro day because most of your big name guys will either shrink how much they do at the combine or not participate there at all. If they think a couple additional weeks will help them. And I don't think him not going to the combine will hurt him because everybody knows he's coming back from uh, an injury. But if he, if any one of those three points, he's not at a hundred percent, then I think you need to take a year and or not take a year, but I think you need to come back, even if it's on a smaller scale of usage, just to get you through the year. Um, I think you got to because um, it's not worth the risk of going, like Kevin said, a late third round, fourth round guy and leaving so much money on the table when you know at his best he's a top tier pick. Yeah, if you if it, you know it's a guarantee at your best you're a top tier pick. This is not a like, well, if I keep developing, I could get there. So right. it's okay to think about coming back, prove that you can stay healthy. And then if you get hurt again, you're probably going to get drafted in the third round. Who knows? So right. uh, let's get to some of these other games that happened last weekend. Big, big time uh, games uh, in terms of playoff picture. Very exciting weekend. Some opportunity things, uh, opportunities for things to, for chaos to happen. Uh, some people's seasons got ruined. Some people uh, increased their playoff stature. So, uh, starting off up north, Minnesota Golden Gophers at the uh, Iowa Hawkeyes Kinnick Stadium. It's a tough place to play in November. Iowa just has a some voodoo magic over top teams. <laughs> You can, pink locker rooms. It's kind of like Iowa. Yeah, the pink locker rooms. Iowa and Iowa State kind of has this. It's like a, like I don't know, like a vortex or something. You go in there at the end of the season, and it's tough to come out with a win. Iowa pulls away uh, 23-19 to win that. Uh, They started off the game uh, racing out to a big lead. Uh, Minnesota comes fighting back, but they run out of time at the end of the game. Minnesota quarterback Tanner Morgan has another stellar day with 368 passing yards. Uh, is, is is Minnesota's playoff hopes out? I don't think so. Not with them. Not with them. Not with the 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 schedule left. What they've got because they still got a big game against Wisconsin. And you still got a chance to play a top top ranked uh, Ohio State if you win out and you go to your bowl. Um, there's going to be a one-loss team get in somewhere. And so now you're just trying to cushion that resume to be the best one-loss team possible. And I think right now, if they won out, they'd have the argument that they, you know, they played a tougher schedule, had a better loss and more better and better wins than a Big 12 one-loss champion or a Pac-12 one-loss champion. So I don't think they're out. Yeah, you'd imagine that a one-loss Big Ten champ with wins uh, against a top ten, two top ten teams with one. I it, I think if they play Ohio State in the in the Big Ten championship at that point, I believe Ohio State will be the number one ranked team in America. Uh, because for Ohio State to have gotten there, Michigan is currently ranked thirteenth, and I imagine they'll they'll progress another spot after this week. So that could potentially be top 12 win. And then Mm -hmm. Ohio state plays eighth ranked Penn state this week. So 
adding two highly ranked teams on your resume, I think that would uh, end up Minnesota being Minnesota playing number one Ohio State, which if you beat the number one team in America in a championship game, that kind of sounds like you're one of the top teams in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Especially late in the season, you had the resume. This wasn't a fluke. You've only lost one game at a tough place to play on the road. Worst losses have happened. So we'll see what happens to Minnesota. Uh, Moving on, we've got... uh, Big point for the Minnesota game. Casey O'Brien, four-time cancer survivor, getting to take part of the uh, Iowa's traditional uh, wave to the Children's Hospital. I thought that was pretty dope. Yeah, that's really cool. It's like the feel-good moment of the week. Yeah, that's that's wild. Uh, He is the long snapper walk-on for Minnesota. So big-time moment for him. Um, Before we get to the game of the night, we've got... Georgia at Auburn. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I'm not going to lie. I didn't get to watch much of this game. And so I know that Georgia raced out to the 21-point lead. I, I, mm-hmm. I see that Bo Nix threw the ball 50 times, which it's is do out of control. Um, I saw that Auburn pulled off 14 in a row, and then Bo Nix misses the, the running back in the flats for that on that fourth down conversion had the chance to back catch that. that's a tough ball to catch i mean like yes i i thought the effort was poor in my opinion like i'd be i, I thought it was a bad throw but i thought uh, it, i thought the effort was poor on the running back i was gonna say the throw definitely could have been better i'm not i don't i don't want to take that away from but like yo like to get a, a top five win and like you just or like I feel like that's a ball we see capable catching running backs catch. So maybe he shouldn't have been in the game. I don't know. Yeah. it's uh, So that increases Georgia's uh, standing, quality mm-hmm. win for them on the road. You know, it's going to kind of be interesting here is um, something that I think is important to look at is at some point Auburn, you know, like, yeah, the best part of your resume is your three close losses. Against top ten win. Uh, against Florida, no, no they, they beat, lost to Florida. They beat Oregon. They beat Oregon. Okay, um, they beat they did beat Oregon at the beginning of the season. So that's a that's a, that's a quality win, uh, but it just it they just keep these high end games close, you know, but they keep losing them. That's very true. Um, and so Georgia uh, obviously is uh, adds to their resume for the college football playoff. Yeah, I I went to the Kentucky Vandy game, which was at the same time, so I didn't get to to watch as much of this game as I wanted to. Um, however, I will say, like, uh, I think that all like. Auburn's just not there yet. That's not saying they won't get there, like, uh, eventually or moving forward, but they're not there yet. And you can see that there's a clear difference between um, those top five, ten-tier teams and then Auburn. Uh, I thought they they did put up a great fight. They didn't lay down. But uh, at the end of the day, I mean, like, you've got, eventually you've got to win some of those big games. That's what we measure you on. And since they haven't won them, I think you've got to slot them um, in that next tier down, I think what's what's interesting about it all is the games that Georgia is 
the games that they're winning, they're I mean they're we've all agreed that they've looked poor at times and the loss against South Carolina was bad, but uh, they just keep winning big games. They beat a good Florida team. They beat a good Notre Dame team. Uh, they beat Auburn. Like they've got good wins. So, I mean, they're, they're doing everything that they're supposed to do to stay in the running. Yeah, it'll be, um, it'll be interesting to see where they're saying, obviously the committee favors, the SEC over the Pac-12 because we'll get to this later, but uh, because of those standings of the one-loss teams, mm-hmm. um, uh, then that brings us to the the game of the night: uh, Oklahoma at Baylor. Sure, uh, college game day was there. Uh, Chip and Joe are making the guest picks. Uh, I actually watched game day in the car on the phone, <laughs> um, and I. I was impressed at, at Baylor racing out to that 28-3 lead, but uh, it's just something about that. Would you see 28-3 to up there on that on that scoreboard? That's like looking at – that's like playing 21 in basketball. And, you know, and you got to get to 13, or if you miss the free throw, you got to go all the way back. <laughs> like it's just in your head. Like that 23 score – 28-3 score, man, after that, after that Super Bowl, it's like it's cursed. But uh, Oklahoma ends up roaring back, gives – up zero points in the second half to win 34-31. Baylor even had a chance to win it or tie it at the end of the game and um, end up throwing an a, a, a interception there to Oklahoma. Got away <laughs> with one the play before he actually threw yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got away and, like, dodged the hugest bullet. I, you know what I did see, though, is, like, the snap caught him off guard uh, on that next play, and I think, like, he was trying to make adjustments to the protection and the guy snapped the ball. So he caught it uh, and was already kind of frazzled. And I think he was just trying to get rid of it because he knew the guy was running the quick out and would get to the sideline. So he just threw it without like really evaluating what the alignment of the defense was because like that, I mean, that route was covered from jump street, like from the time he caught the ball it was covered. But I just think like instinctively he was like, Oh shoot, let me just throw this quick out and like, we'll reset. But uh, to your point, like, I think, like, it proved a couple things. I think the people who were on the fence about Baylor being 9-0 and and how good they really were, I do think Baylor proved that they were a really good, a solid quality team who deserves to be rated um, in the in the high teens where they have or where they are. Um, you got to close out games where you're up 25, like, they don't get a pass for that, and that, while that sucks, um, you got to close those games out. But I do think it shows a lot about Oklahoma. To your point, being on the road, being down twenty-five, and missing your biggest uh, playmaker on offense—that's not Jalen Hurts. So, I mean, for them to come back uh, from that, I, I think is incredible. And again, like you said, like I. <sighs> It's going to be tough. It we'll, we'll talk about it down the road, but it's going to be tough looking at like some of the resumes that these teams are building, how how you're going to seed them and see them moving forward. One last thing that I did want to touch on from last week, um, is it John Rise Plumley? Yeah. Dog. <laughs> he was balling. <laughs> like, I mean, like, I don't care like that they lost, but like if you go up against a number one team, 
and you rush for 212 yards, like, that's impressive. As a quarterback, like, yo, that's impressive. And, like, I mean, he was – I mean, he was running away from guys. I was thoroughly impressed with he that. looked. He looked fast. And, uh, interestingly enough, uh, LSU was to – was able to dismantle uh, Alabama's defense. And John Rise Plumley, he was able to dismantle LSU's defense, but he could not do that against Alabama, which is pretty interesting. So, I, you know, it's funny you bring that up, that LSU had all Miss. It seems like in other teams in the past, we uh, we 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 just want to gloss over potential weaknesses it's almost like we're at the point where it's like, oh, you are not allowed to say anything bad about LSU. And it's like, <laughs> giving up 37 points in 400 yards rushing to Ole Miss is a problem. Oh, yeah. Like, that's 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 a problem. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, <laughs> like, I get you won by three touchdowns. Um, but, you know, any other team would be very much ridiculed. If they were in the Big 12 – this would they would it would be held against them to the point of no return. I will say if I'm Justin Fields in Ohio State, like I'm salivating right now, like, oh, you're gonna let him run for two twelve? Like, oh yeah, I can't wait to slice up that defense. Yeah, so, and I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I think Ohio State's got the equivalent. I I think he, they've got a better version of of LSU's running back. I think I think oh, J.K. Yeah. Dobbins would be the best running back that LSU's seen all year. Uh, I'm going through. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, you, he's uh, yeah. I, you can make the case at least, and uh, Fields can run it. I don't think Fields is as elite as a runner, uh, but he can. Like he's he's hard to bring down, and he can go. I mean, he's fast. I don't think he's a miss you make you miss in a phone booth kind of like a Braxton mm-hmm. Miller was, because that was the big comparison. It's like, wow, he's this guy's going to be like Braxton Miller. And it's like, eh, well, we haven't seen that. But, uh, And, you know, we mentioned that about Ole Miss. I think it's fair to criticize Ohio State in the sense that their defense is, uh, in most categories, number one nationally. But I don't yeah. think they have played anybody that is dynamic. I don't think they've, they've played an offense that is dynamic. And I don't think they've played the – some players that have caused people fits. So they, no, but they've done everything they've asked to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. So, absolutely. Mean, the, the people they play, it's, they, they completely shut down. But with that being said, I want to see it against some better players. So uh, it'll be interesting yep. to see how they hold up. I think they will be fine against players from Pitt state and Michigan because Michigan has got NFL players at a wide receiver and those kids will play on yeah. Sunday. They're good. It'll be interesting to see how they hold up. I think the numbers will come back to earth, come back down to earth. Uh, over the last two weeks. Over the last two weeks, they'll kind of regress towards the towards a, a normal average. But uh, I think that's – if you're going to look at the top two teams and LSU is rushing defense and their defensive general is a problem, and Ohio State looks the part, has done everything they've been asked to, it's just I want to see it against the top teams. Yep. Fair point. So, with that being said, let's do it. Let's get to the this week's college football playoff rankings that came out tonight. They came out about, what is it, three hours ago now? Yep. And so, uh, why don't you get us started on uh, 
uh, on the top 10 and uh, give us one through 10. Yeah. So looking at the, uh, the rankings for this, this, this week, excuse me, uh, at number 10, we've got Minnesota uh, falling just a little bit uh, from the loss at Iowa. We've got Oklahoma at nine, uh, Penn State at eight, Utah at seven, Oregon at six, Alabama at five, Georgia at four, Clemson at three, Ohio State at two, and LSU at number one. Um, Initial thoughts, takes, everything look about right from what you expected? Well, obviously the top from the top seven have not changed, and uh, really it's the same teams in the top ten. It's just Minnesota got moved two spots down. Penn State, Oklahoma move up a spot. Penn mm-hmm. State ahead of Oklahoma, and uh, which is kind of surprising to me. Uh, I, I a couple of things I thought Minnesota might drop farther, but that shows goes to show that they have earned a little bit of respect here. Mm-hmm. Um, Oklahoma goes on the road and has a top 13 win night game. I mean, that's a big win. And they are still towards the back end of the one loss teams, uh, which is tough, tough to say. Uh, like I said before, obviously the committee is valuing uh, the SEC's Georgia and Alabama. Um, they are the top two one loss teams, whereas Oregon and Utah follow. And then, uh, but I think that'll that'll shake out itself. I, like yeah. I said before, I think Oregon and Utah they play each other in the Big tw- uh, Pac-12 championship. I think the percentage is high that they're in. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say that. Um, I, me personally, I think that a one-loss team out of the Big Twelve should go in over the Pac-12. But giving the rankings right now. And the, I guess I would say like the Oklahoma not jumping from winning that game on the road, and I and I'm sure you take into account that they were getting throttled early. Like yes, them coming back is a good look, but also like they were, you know, two plays here there from getting just ran out the building. So I'm sure that they took that into account. But from Oklahoma not moving up that much. Uh, I just don't like their their biggest win coming from the rest of the season is going to be beating Baylor again, um, and it already didn't jump them that much. So I'm not sure how much beating them again would do, uh, or vice versa. Baylor beating Oklahoma is not going to catapult them in front of um, those Pac-12 teams. So I just think that right now, if you're a Big 12 Oklahoma or Baylor fan, I, I, I think you're on the outside looking in. Well, here's Oklahoma's path. To the playoff is is if Ohio State wins this weekend, Penn State's out. Mm-hmm. The loser of the Oregon Utah championship game, they're out. So, but the winner's in. That is that is that's true. Um, but if somewhere along the line LSU or Ohio State were to lose, um, I think. You know, the, you could be comparable to Alabama. So Alabama gets to go to – they don't get the championship game, but they get to play Auburn. Mm-hmm. But Baylor's ranked one spot ahead of Auburn. Mm-hmm. 
Right. So if at the end of the year you're like, okay, Oklahoma wins it, Alabama wins it, well, you beat number 14, we beat number 15. Oh, well, technically, by rankings, that's a better win. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, but that would also mean Georgia. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – it, It's. I think they're I think they're out. It'll. I'm with you. I, it's unfortunate, but I think they're out. A uh, couple other things here uh, that could help out that are significant, Wisconsin and Michigan, both going up two spots. Um, that helps strengthen maybe so, Ohio State's case if they were to lose in the Big Ten Championship, but then they were able to beat a now eighth-ranked Penn State and then a 13th-ranked Michigan. Um, that could help boost their case as a one-loss team. And then, obviously, like you just said, Minnesota is going to play 12th-ranked Wisconsin here in a couple weeks. So then moving up two spots makes that win look a little more impressive. You know what's wild? And like I know a lot of folks around the country probably aren't focusing on this, but I do want to call it out because it's football. It's important. And like to me, like I still value uh, what's to come, but the 18, 19, and 20 spot, you got a one-loss Memphis, a one-loss Cincinnati, and a one-loss Boise State. They're all pretty much competing for that non-Power 5 at-large bid for a bowl game and for the New Year's Six Bowls. It's a Cotton Bowl. So, it, I mean, it's going to be pretty interesting to see how that shakes out. I I, I recall hearing um, that Memphis and Cincinnati could play each other twice um, before this is all said and done. So, like, They play true. each other on Friday, uh, on the last Friday of the season. So, like, right after Thanksgiving or the day the after the day after Thanksgiving, they play okay. at two thirty. So that's their regular season. Mm-hmm. So they can play back to back weeks. Gotcha, gotcha. Also, interestingly enough, about Boise is Boise's leading their division in the Mountain West right now, and mm-hmm. second in that division is the Air Force Falcons. Hey, I was thinking that they might get some love uh, sitting there at eight and two. There's just too many one loss. Power five teams here, Appalachian State, SMU, Boise State, Cincinnati, Memphis. They're just not going to crack that as a group of five, two lost team. But Boise State does have to play Utah State. At uh, that's a pretty, pretty good game. That's a pretty good team. Um, so if, if I'm not mistaken, did um, oh no 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 I'm thinking I'm, I am mistaken. Yeah, cut that out. I was thinking about something else. Um, so yeah, it could be interesting. It's going to be wild, wild ending. I think what's going to happen is you're probably going to finish with the usual about three teams that are fighting for that last spot. And this year, more than any, is truly like a. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you really could just pick any of them. So we talked about this at the beginning of the at the beginning of the season, how the big 10 West could be one of the more interesting divisions in college football. Cause you just don't know who's going to win, mm-hmm. but here we are sitting with two games left and the Illinois fighting Illini are still mathematically. I don't know how to say it, mathematically not eliminated. There's, yeah, there's, a, there's a mathematical the chance that they can win sitting at fourth in the division at six and four, because, um, 
you know, Minnesota's got, they've got the lead, the sole lead, but if they were to lose out, get to three losses, Wisconsin were to lose this week and then beat Minnesota next week. Well, I would be out because Illinois plays them this week. So you'd be mm-hmm. sitting there with Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois at six and three, all three at six and three and Minnesota beat Illinois Illinois beat Wisconsin, and then Wisconsin beat Minnesota. So you have to go to an extended tiebreaker on who would be the Big Ten West representative. So that's that's pretty wild. You're our resident. You're our resident uh, Big Ten expert. Do you have has there ever been like a three way tie? I know like the Big Ten championships more recent, but do you recall a time where on either side of the division? I don't like think a three-way, a three-way tie. tie. I don't think a three-way tie. I think in 2017, oh, maybe it was it was 2016 when Ohio State and Michigan were both two and three. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a split division. Gotcha. So um, they shared the Big Ten East title, but Ohio State when they were, I mean, technically they shared, but Ohio State beat Michigan, so. Uh, at this day and age, it's you. You're the you're the champion if you win, if you get to go to Indy. Right. Let me ask you this, and I don't want to jinx it, but given that Ohio State's probably the favorite to make it out of the East, who would you want to play? I'd rather play Minnesota because they're a higher ranked team, and it, I don't like having to play the same team twice in one season. Ohio State's already played Wisconsin. Uh, I don't think you should have to play the same team twice, Mm -hmm. especially in a season when it's like every game matters. I agree. You know what I mean? When the NFL, you play everybody in your division twice. If you lose one, eh, whatever. It's hard to beat a team twice. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got to do it. What a heartbreaking event for Kevin Jackson, having to cheer for his favorite team and then his second favorite coach. Are you talking about P.J. Fleck? Oh yeah, man! Second favorite coach. Yeah, I'd probably go. With, I'd probably go with him being my second favorite coach. He's oh, so man. good. He's <laughs> Minnesota is ranked in the top ten. Yeah, I read a tweet man. the other day. It was like my parents have never watched. They've lived in Minnesota their whole life. They've never watched Minnesota football, but they watch every game this year. It, it does. It does something special to your program when. <laughs> We are now having some technical difficulties because we are talking too much Big Ten football. Back to the SEC. <laughs> we go another three hours.
Well, plus I think that it would be an absolute blowout on Ohio State's part, so... Uh, I think as long as you stay healthy, and I think the rivalry will be tough. I think the rivalry game will be tough. Um, it'll probably, I, I think it could end up being something like a uh, 2015 game where it's kind of close for a while, and then at the end of the game, Ohio State just runs away with it. That would be pretty incredible. Could you imagine if he had played the last two games? Oh my goodness. He's already leads the country. He still leads the country after miss. <laughs> the they the thing that kills me is I was thinking about this today. They probably said, okay, Chase, you, you know, you're out this week. You're gonna be out next week as well. Oh, okay, so I, I just watch Penn State film now. Like, I'm good. I got all the tip sheets, guys. Don't worry. I'll do the scouting report. Yep. Well, you know, I hope you're rooting for Ohio State to win because if they do, you and I are going. That's right. Justice knows. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I would agree. So, be interesting to see what happens the playoffs uh, committee. I honestly don't even think they should even uh, do the whole every week. Some more technical difficulties as we continue to discuss too much Big Ten football. So, back to the peace of mind, news, and notes. All right, real quick for our news and notes, we're going to do some rapid fire takes for you here real quick. Let's start in our favorite conference, the SEC, where we have Vanderbilt affirming <laughs> that 
Derek Mason will be their football head coach as of next year, even though they only have two wins this year and not a lot of wins previously. AJ, what is your take on this? Um, I think this is the right move. It's it's going to be hard to fill that position and put somebody at that university that's going to you know bring about this sudden change. I think two points that I saw on this that made a lot of sense. Derek Mason came out and and made a point to call out Coach Stoops and how his tenure started at Kentucky. And once they put money into that program, how it changed and evolved into what it is now. And I think he's correct. And also somebody made the point to uh, the most recent success as a head coach at Vandy is James Franklin, but also pointed to how bad the SEC East was at that time. Uh, I think that Derek Mason has a three-game win streak against Tennessee. Uh, he just coming off of taking your team to uh, a bowl game last year. Like, there's something there. Uh, I just think that you you really need to to go full in and say like, we're gonna back this guy and and hopefully give this program what it needs and see if we can really get the ball rolling. Kevin, thoughts. To be honest with you, uh, I think that they should keep him. I don't think this is really much of a story when it comes to nationally. I don't think anybody really cares about Vanderbilt football outside of the the Middle Tennessee area. So I, I don't think this is going to be a, a newsworthy, like a national newsworthy story. Um, I think the bigger story locally is is the fact that they kind of the the administration and the school has kind of pushed back on saying we don't need to invest into football. It's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and yeah, until they, until they support him financially, uh, you, you're going to get what you get. But uh, with that, all due respect, uh, with the way scheduling is college football, you really should not be dipping it below five and seven. And I don't, I don't care if you play in the sec or not. Uh you shouldn't be bullet dipping below five and seven. If you're dipping below five and seven, especially as a power five program, even if you're uh, Vanderbilt, your ear should perk up a little bit and see if that's a trend. So he's done some good things like beat Tennessee, but uh, schedule better opponents. Uh, you know what I mean? Schedule your MTSUs, your Eastern Tennessees. I know they're doing that. Uh, you get four of those because the SEC doesn't play non-conference games. You only play eight, so schedule four of those, and you telling me all you got to do is beat a Tennessee, Kentucky, South Carolina, Missouri. Uh, Vanderbilt should be good enough to win two SEC games a year. Kevin with the hot takes that nobody cares and then throws out all the fire. So moving on. <laughs> I said from a national standpoint, I don't think – like Derek Mason got a, uh, uh, you know, they're going to keep him. Like, it's not like nobody's going to care. Like, eh, whatever. All right. Moving on. Um, we have our favorite friend in the Plains. Uh, a lot of controversy over Gus Malzahn and Auburn. And Arkansas, where he used to coach high school football, now and actually in college at Arkansas State too, coming for him as a potential head coach. If you are Auburn, AJ or Kevin, do you let him go? 
I don't. I don't think you do. Uh, again, my my point's always been unless there is a definitive candidate out there who is better for your program, um, and you know for a fact you can get that man, then you don't let him go. I I do think to uh, our, our our fellow coast friend Sam Grayson's point, um, they probably need to relinquish uh, play calling duties from him and bring in a, an offensive coordinator because what they're doing right now is not necessarily um, working on the offensive end, but I don't think you get rid of him. Yeah, I don't think you get rid of him either. If you're an athletic director, I don't know what the relationship is, uh, but I think it's perfectly fine to say, hey, look, Gus, offensively, it's just not working. I don't want to meddle too much into your uh, – into the day-to-day operations, but at some point, I, I, this needs to be the identity of our school, uh, you know, our football team. Uh, we can't be a team that's known for being anemic on offense, and we'd be really good if we could complement our defense. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if they could get to a point like, um, not style-wise, but Wisconsin does this with Barry Alvarez. Is they get a guy that fits their system, and he kind of writes that ship. He created that, that philosophy up there and they've maintained it because he's been the athletic director. So it'd be interesting to see if the athletic director would be able to say, Hey, like you need to go get yourself an offensive coordinator, but this, like it, we need to make this adjustment into the 21st century. All right. Last on the agenda, we have a very high profile job in the college football coaching world the Florida State University head coaching job. A lot of rumors that Bob Stoops would potentially be the candidate. A lot of rumors going around uh, amongst the Florida State fan base. AJ, ultimately, do you think Bob Stoops is their coach? And if not, who do you think they're going to hire? I don't think it's going to be Bob Stoops. Uh, From what I can tell and have heard, uh, I think his health is still somewhat of an issue. I think that uh, he was only looking at doing the XFL because it was very minimal stress. There's not a lot of um, there's not a lot of uh, expectations for that job. So something where he could be around the game but not really be stressed out about it. I think both of those two things come at a very high level when looking at Florida State. Um, I'm not sure who they go get, uh, but I will say. I said this exact same thing um, when it was USC and Coach Orgeron had the players responding well to him. I think if your team's responding well to him, you got to stick to him. And I think if they close the season out well and the team's responding well to uh, Coach Odell, they've got to give him an honest look and say, maybe this guy can change what we're doing for a couple of years until we have a definitive replacement for him. I think that's a very solid point of if you don't know who your guy is, then just promote the interim if he's doing a good job. Now, that's tough to do because, you know, college football is predicated on recruiting. So that's tough to go a whole season with a with a guy that's like on a franchise tag or just mm-hmm. maybe keeping you for one year. If uh, Or you got to give him a contract. You got to give him four years. And it's tough to play because in Florida – uh, there's a lot of competition, and if you're a nobody, you, 
at that point, you got to prove yourself on the field that you'd be willing to go play for the for that coach based on the product on the field. But I I just don't think that's a I don't just don't think that's a high profile job. Uh, I shouldn't say that uh, an elite. I don't think it's an elite job right now. Uh, a high profile job, yes, it's Florida State, but I think if you if you open up the hood, it's I think is a lot going wrong with that program. Um, I just heard that it's just a lot of a lot of me players, a lot of fighting, a lot of bad culture. Uh, you know, plus you got to compete with with a lot of schools in Florida. With obviously the University of Florida, you got to compete with Miami. UCF is they're good. They're going to take players away, mm-hmm. and so I, I was if I'm staying if I'm an established coach like Bob Soups, I'm staying as far away from that program as possible. Yeah, not to mention like you still got to beat Clemson too. So like that's another added team that you have to like out compete against. Um, yeah, we're 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 in this this. I guess situation of everybody having these hot takes and changing coaches uh, so quickly. And I just, sometimes you got to evaluate your program and your team and say like, this is who we are right now. And we need to consistently be a little bit higher than this before we go back to being um, an established like team, if that makes sense. It's fair. So, well, that does it for this week's episode of Peace of Mind Podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, excited to watch you know, not a lot of college football going on this weekend, but the big Buckeye game with Penn State. Uh, first time ever that they're going to get three major pregame shows all in one location with Fox's big new kickoff, BTN tailgate, and then obviously college game day is going to be there. So all eyes in Columbus this week because the uh, the slate's a little bare, AJ. Uh, you telling me you weren't looking for, forward to Alabama and Western Carolina? It's tough. Uh, it's a tough week for college football. I think there's a couple <laughs> games. I think uh, the Michigan-Indiana game is going to be pretty tricky. I think that mm-hmm. could be a, a, a good one. Um, but, yeah, there's not a lot to choose from. So I appreciate you guys listening. As always, rate, review, subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, Y'all have a good night. See you. 2003, now part of the WAC, and they're trying to whack off Kentucky here at Rough Arena.